Amen. I don't know about you, but that kind of, that did put uh, some uh, goose pimples on my body and my soul that it do to you. The same thing it did to me. I want to welcome you joining in on, online with us this morning as we go to God in prayer and give him thanks. Glad you're here with us today. Let's bow for a time of prayer. There are so many things to thank you for, Father, living in this nation right now and around the world where we want someone to step onto the scene and bring peace. And we know you're the only one that can do that. But remind us before you come in the clouds that there's going to be an imposter that's going to break on the scene and going to try to draw our attention away from you. Remind us of that, Father. You've told us in advance that was going to happen. So help us not to grow weary and faint. Thank you for the church. Thank you that there's life in the church. Thank you that the spirit of the living God that hovered over the face of the earth is in the church. You are welcome here, Father. I pray that you'll awaken our minds and our spirits that will be nourished from the Holy Spirit, from the throne of God, to keep believing, to keep the faith, to keep encouraging one another, to be light and salt in this dark world that we're living in. And perhaps maybe as Americans, we're experiencing what the saints of old have experienced just in a little way. And saints all over the world, perhaps in China and other places of the world in Iran, where they are where the, the message of the gospel is totally suppressed from the top down and they're hibernating in caves and underground and in secrets. And we're getting just a little bit of a taste what that's like. But thank you for the church, Father. I pray for those in California right now where you have victory and defeat and victory and defeat, that I pray that the men and women, and especially John MacArthur that's taking a stand in California, 80 years old, help the young never forget to look to the older for wisdom. Because we've grown, as we've grown older and grown in the Lord, the wisdom that we have comes from you. Father, I don't know what you have in store for the church, but we do pray, if possible, according to your will, that you'd give them favor, the churches in California favor, where the government has tried to shut them down, give them favor with someone in authority, in power that loves you and fears you. Give them favor and so that the case can be won and the churches in California can meet. Father, we're not here to talk about politics, COVID, civil unrest. We're here to look into your word, a break from all that. We want to see you high and lifted up on the throne. We need to hear from you. We need to be encouraged. And we want to live for you. Please receive our adoration and our worship as we sing, as we pray, as we give, as we speak your word. Speak through your messenger. Help them see you is my prayer this morning in Jesus' name. And all God's people said amen. Say, say glad you're here this morning to someone next to you. And even online, if you're sitting in your house, say hello to someone and Glad that you're sitting down watching this message this morning.
Oh, I love that song. I could have kept singing that for about 10 minutes. If you're visiting with us, remember online, you can go to our app, our VLC app, and you can download that and you can follow with us. There's an outline for you there to follow along with us. I think more than ever, what we have learned about Peter, for those that are just our guests, we've been studying about the life of Peter, a journey into powerful living for God. I don't know about you, but if you love Jesus, you want to live powerfully for him. You want to make an impact because of what he's done for you and what he's done for me. We don't want to just sit idly by. You don't want to just sit in the, in the stands. Don't you want to be in the game during the last days for the glory of God? That means even if you have to stand and they put one of those testers on you and you think it's just a little uh, temperature check and, and it just sends you to God. Hallelujah. Amen. You want to be able to have that courage. I keep, I'm getting in practice. Every time I go work out, they're putting that thing to my head, putting that thing to my head. And I say, okay, just make sure you hit me right between the eyes. Send me on the glory. We want to be able to take a stand for God. So more than ever, we need men and women that live powerfully for God. We see him do that in the life of Peter, yet he's an ordinary individual. You are acquainted with his flaws by now, aren't you? Can you imagine spending the last day and night on earth with the Son of God and you're bickering with your friends? Who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God? And then he models humble leadership by washing your feet. He's saying, I don't like that kind of leadership. Then arguing with Jesus saying, listen, if everyone else fails you and they abandon you, I'll go to prison with you or for you and I'll die for you. That was his last evening on earth. Then he goes into the garden and doesn't pray and stay awake. And then he tries to kill a man, but he misses and just gets his ear. That's how bad of a killer he was. That was his last day on earth with the son of the living God. Tell me, have you done anything worse than that? And yet you're sitting on the sidelines thinking, I don't have the, the education, I don't have the status, the power, the position, or the wealth. How can God use me in a powerful way? If he used Peter, he can use you. And so the title of this morning's message is The Anatomy of a Miracle. I struggled with this because, God, do you want me to ask you for a miracle? Well, that's not what it's about. God giving you and me our personal miracle. But it, it's about his work. It's about him. He promised us the Holy Spirit would empower us and give us the ability to do what he did when he walked the face of this earth. He promised that that would happen. And now Peter, after preaching to 3,000 or many thousands of people, over 3,000 men received Christ as their Savior. That is a miracle, a change of heart. But now he's about to become a part of what Jesus did when he was on the face of this earth. It says in Mark 16, 20, and the disciples went everywhere and preached and the Lord worked through them confirming what they said 
by many miraculous signs. You see, before the New Testament was completed, God used signs and wonders. Today, we do have the scriptures that doesn't eliminate the word of God, but the quantity of miracles aren't as many as they were in our Lord's day. We know that for sure because we've experienced that. But in looking at this passage, I want you to look with me in chapter 3 of the book of Acts. And let's look at this miracle. The emphasis is not on the miracle we're going to find out. But it was just a catalyst to do something even greater. Now remember this Peter who was locked in the upper room, afraid of the Jewish people. Had denied our Lord got back into fellowship with them. We as a church, haven't we? We've got back into fellowship with God individually and collectively. Supposedly, now every one of you are walking in the Spirit, right? Your body surrendered to God, and he said, be not drunk with wine, where is in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. So I'm assuming a lot of you saints right now sitting staring at me are filled with the Spirit of God. Anything could happen at any moment. Because you're filled with the Spirit. You have all the Spirit you're ever going to have. But does the Spirit of the living God have all he's ever going to get from you and me? Are you surrendered? That what we read about Peter is possible in the life of this church. Here's what happened. Because Peter is filled with the Spirit of the living God. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon... Ah, they're going to pray. To take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put besides the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate. And so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked, them for some money. That's our first point this morning, asking for a miracle. The anatomy of a miracle begins with asking for a miracle. Now, Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. You may say the same thing. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, like many of you would say, hey, listen, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, for you, I'll interpret it. It means who? Jesus, the Messiah. Ah, Yeshua. I love that name. You remember Jesus, his name is only 400 years old, but the name Yeshua is very old. It means salvation. So, he said, in the name of Yeshua, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. There's the miracle. A miracle happened on the way to worship God. 
How many things have happened in your life for the glory of God as you were on the way to, and you can fill in the blank. I was looking at my own life trying to recall some maybe extraordinary things that happened on the way to church besides fighting with my wife or my kids and my grandkids. But I did think about a time I don't know about you, but when I got saved, I loved the church. I love the church. Anybody else here? Amen that? I love the church. Even on my wedding night, the next day, I took my bride to be, well, she was my bride then, and we went to church. What? A lot of people said to me, yes, I didn't want to miss meeting God at the church. Well, just before I married her, I had gone to this church for three years. I'd gotten saved. I had, a, I had finished ninth grade. And uh, I lived in this trailer. And I locked my keys in the trailer on a Sunday morning. Now, what do most people do on a Sunday morning? They lock their keys to the car in the trailer, in their house. I could have done a lot of things. But the first thing that came to my mind, and I believe I was led by the Holy Spirit to do this, go to church. And so I got on my jogging shoes. Well, they were already on. And I went down to a church. I can't tell you how far it was. Perhaps the Holy Spirit lifted me up and carried me to the church. I don't know. But it was down a little ways. I went to that church. Within a couple months, they saw the gift of God in me to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they licensed me to the ministry. They got me into this college where I met my wife. And this wasn't just a podunk college. Remember, I had only finished ninth grade, taken a GED, and passed it. And this college is where Governor Huckleby went to and Sarah Huckleby, that was the uh, president's press secretary, and a famous football player for those who are older. You may or may not remember him. His name was Cliff Harris. He played for the Dallas Cowboys. He was a running back or kick returner. Anybody remember? I don't see any hand. No, okay. I see one back there. Okay. Cliff Harris got me into that college. You see, I was on my way to worshiping God. You're on your way here this morning. You never know what God will do if you put on the helmet of salvation. You see, Philip, another passage in Scripture, Philip was actually doing something for God when God took him away from that scene and he had him go share the gospel with a, a eunuch, an important person from Ethiopia. And he had him share the good news of Jesus Christ and a different type of miracle took place. What was that miracle? He understood the scripture and the passage that he was reading in Isaiah. And he received Yeshua as his Lord and Savior. A lot of things can happen on your way to work, on your way to worship on your way to the store if you put on the helmet of salvation. A miracle happened to Peter as he was on his way to worship. Now remember, God may work a miracle through you or you may be the miracle God uses. Second thing when I think about asking about a miracle for a miracle, <clears throat> a miracle happened because Peter was filled and led and empowered by the Holy Spirit. 
Remember, Jesus said, this is all about Jesus continuing his work. Don't forget about that. Don't get so fixated on the miracle. Don't get fixated on what you want God to do for you. What is God up to when you read the scripture? That his work would continue. And that the good news would be shared with every single tribe, language, and nation. And he began with Peter and the apostles. And so Peter is filled with the Spirit of God. He is filled on different occasions to carry out the work of God. Never forget about that. Or he is led by the Holy Spirit to say something and do something. And I believe he was led by the Holy Spirit to say something to the lame man. Third thing I think about is miracles can happen when one asks. A miracle can happen when one asks. The crippled man asked for something in Acts 3.3. 3. Here's what he said. He saw Peter and John about to enter. And he asked them for some money. James 4.2 reminds us that you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. Well, he asked for something. Something else that came to mind when I thought about this passage is that God can give exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask. Ephesians 3 reminds us of this. You're asking God for something. Maybe you ought to ask God, God, what do you want me to have? Rather than, what do I think that I need? Just like mom and daddy knows what their child needs. A child comes and asks for something and you don't give them that something, you give them something even better because you know what their needs are. God knows your needs before you ask. So in, in Ephesians 3.20, God reminds us of this fact. Now all the glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work in us to accomplish infinitely more than we ask or might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. So God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above what you are asking. Have you ever experienced that in your life? The apostles ask for God to stretch forth his hand and to do miracles also. So this, this gentleman, this lame man, asked for something, the apostles ask for God to stretch forth his hand in chapter 4, verse 29 and 30. They ask God to do the same thing. And now, O oh Lord, hear their threats. Give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. So the gentleman asked for something and the apostles asked, have, have you been asking God for anything lately? Do you know when I go to the hospitals, when I visit people that are sick, I don't know if you do this. Now, I have not seen many miracles in my life like we're going to read about or that you've just read about. But I'll always ask, hey, Lord, I don't say it out loud. Are you up to anything? Do you want to raise the dead? 
Well, I don't want to scare the people that I'm talking to. And sometimes I feel, God, I don't want to embarrass myself. And God wants to do something mighty. But he hasn't told me he wants to do anything mighty. You've overstepped your boundaries. when you. I know here's what God wants me to do. And then you tell that person and nothing happens because the Holy Spirit has not led you to do that. Listen, we all would like to see miracles. Think about Israel leaving Egypt. God did many mighty miracles. For what reason? We're going to get into that in a moment. But he didn't continue doing that in the wilderness. Oh, there were a couple. Manna. There was water. Their clothes didn't wear out. But for the 40 years they were there, they saw nothing like what they saw and experienced in Egypt. Don't believe don't think that God has to continue always to do the same thing in order for you to love him. But notice he did those miracles and that those miracles and the story of Israel's deliverance has been told for how long? For almost 4,000 years. That's why God did it, to advance his purpose. Well, the apostles asked God, the man asked God, and we're told to ask God. In James chapter 1, he reminds us of this asking. We're told in many places to ask God, right? Ask, knock, seek. In James 1, 5 through 8, he tells us, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking, but when you ask God, him, be sure your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. Hopefully that's self-explanatory. God wants you to ask. But remember what I said last week. He's already given you and me everything we need pertaining to life and godliness. Did you hear that? He's already giving it to us. So why are you going to go to mom and daddy and ask them for something they've already given to you? You're going to ask them again? God says, I've given you everything pertaining to life. I've already given it to you. I've given you everything you need pertaining to godliness. I've already given it to you. That's why, probably why, he's not in the habit of being a genie and giving you a miracle every time you ask for one. But don't let it keep you from asking. By the way, when a miracle happens, something else happens. And you'll know it was a miracle when they praise God. Notice in Acts chapter 3 through in 12, verse 12, and I didn't want to read all chapter 3 and all chapter 4 where this miracle took place. Peter saw his opportunity to address the crowd. He said, people of Israel... 
He said, what is so surprising about this? Why stare at us as though we, we made this man walk by our own power, our own belief, our own faith? No. The lame man praised God also. Notice, he jumped up, stood up on his feet, and he began to walk. What did he do when he began to walk? Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. So the anatomy of a miracle begins with you asking. By the way, that guy asked God for something, and he got more than he asked for. God wanted to give him more than money. He wanted to give this lame man the ability to use his legs. He gave him something he really needed. You go to God and you ask him for something. He'll, if you really want this, he'll give you what you actually need. Now, the anatomy of a miracle starts with asking, but there's ultimately a purpose in it. And that leads to my second point this morning. Allow the miracle to become a platform to spread the gospel. Peter took this miracle, faced his enemies, God's enemies, those who consented to the crucifixion of Jesus. He used this miracle as a platform to do what? To communicate the gospel to the common people as well as to the religious leaders. Let's read Acts chapter 3 beginning in verse 12 through 15. Peter saw this as an opportunity, and addressing the crowd, the people of Israel, he said, what is so surprising about this? And why stare at us as though we have made this man walk by our own power or godliness? For it is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our ancestors, who has brought glory to his servant, Yeshua, Jesus, by doing this. This is the same Jesus whom you handed over and rejected before Pilate, despite Pilate's decision to release him. You rejected this holy righteous one and instead demanded the release of a murderer. You killed the author of, author of life, but God raised him from the dead, and we are witnesses of this fact. Now, if you're reading in your Bible or online with us and go to your app, go to chapter 4, verse 7. So now he uses this platform of the miracle to do the same thing, to communicate the gospel. Never, ever forget that, saints, that God isn't in the business of entertaining the church. If a miracle is to take place, it is to bring him honor and glory and most likely communicate the good news of the gospel. Notice beginning in verse 7, the latter part of verse 7. By what power or in whose name have you done this? I was thinking about that on the way here this morning. Isn't it something why people are so terrified by the name of Jesus? If he's not alive, what are they afraid of? Notice people don't get upset when you say Buddha. They're thinking you're saying boo. Notice they're not afraid when you say something about some other God. 
why are they so afraid of Jesus? But Peter's not afraid to mention his name. He was afraid earlier. There may have been times in your life and my life where we were afraid to mention Jesus. But, but Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Now, that's pretty stupid in itself, isn't it? They helped someone. Do you want to know how he was healed? Glad you asked. Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Yeshua HaMashiach. That's what he said then. Jesus the Messiah, Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, when you said nothing good can come out of Nazareth. Well, guess what? Something good has come out of Nazareth. The man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in Scripture where it says, The stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. You see, miracles happen for you and me to use as a platform to communicate the gospel. You guys know my favorite guy I haven't mentioned in a while. What's his name? Tim Tebow, he hasn't been in the news lately. But I always remember something that got my attention. He loved football. He ate and drank football. But he would always remind you and me that football was a platform to communicate the good news of Jesus Christ. And so God may do a miracle in our lives. When he does, it will be to bring honor and glory to him it won't be to take up an offering. It won't be to start a long line of sick people that we can heal. It's not to start a new movement. The Holy Spirit is at work to bring glory and honor and attention to God Almighty and to Jesus Christ. Miracles and being filled are manifested in many ways. And this is something I want to bring to your attention this morning. Don't think in just terms of healing. Oh, yes, we desperately would love to see healing. And God may do that. We may be in the last days where Joel chapter 2, where God teaches that he would pour out his spirit upon man in the last days. But not completely, I'm paraphrasing right now, but in the last, last days, just before Jesus comes in the clouds and the church is being persecuted and Jesus said, will I find faith on the earth? I believe that the glory and the power of God led by the Holy Spirit may fall on the churches that are ready to receive it so God may be glorified in the times of persecution and that men and women would call upon him so they can be saved. I don't want to miss out on But he works in different ways through the power of the Holy Spirit. Have you ever thought about this? What about the skill that you have right now and that you use for the glory of God? He said, whatever you do, do with all your might under the glory of God. Let me remind you in Exodus chapter 31 where these regular carpenters were at work and then something happened. Exodus 31, 1 through 5. Then the Lord said to Moses, Look, I have specifically chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, grandson of Ur, of the tribe of Judah, 
Catch this. I have filled him. That means they were not. I have filled him with the spirit of God, giving him great wisdom, ability, and expertise to go teach in a college. No. I've given him the ability to make all kinds of crafts. He is a master craftsman, expert in working with gold, silver, and bronze. He is skilled in engraving and mounting gemstones and in carving wood. He is a master at every craft. Did you ever think about the miracle that God literally lays on you, gives you the ability to do what you do, but you don't look at it as a miracle? But you see here that God can do a miracle by giving you a skill or an ability. What about power? Everyone thinks as David, King David, as being an extraordinary human being. But in 1 Samuel 16 tells us otherwise. He said, so as David stood there among his brothers, remember the baddest, strongest military soldiers were afraid of the Philistines and of Goliath. You mean there wasn't one warrior that would face Goliath and all of a sudden little timid David approaches Goliath, a shepherd boy? that had not seen war, experienced war, nor was he trained in war, and all of a sudden, where did he get this courage from? Well, First Samuel reminds us. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of oil he had brought and anointed David with the oil. Catch this. Here's what happened. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Then Samuel returned to Ramah. Do you catch that? God does a miracle by giving you a skill or an ability, or God may want to grant you the power or the courage to face whatever it is that you're going to face. What about leadership? You remember Gideon? Many of you know the story of Gideon, but I don't have time to go into it. But again, the Spirit of God made all the difference. Judges 6.34. This guy was frightened. He did not want to be the leader at all. Then the Spirit of the Lord took possession of Gideon. He blew a ram's horn as a call to arms, and the men of the clan of Eazar came to him. Are you kind of going along with me? Remembering that a miracle doesn't mean you're just laying hands on someone and then they're cured and they're healed. That can happen. But God works in different ways with the power of his Holy Spirit and he may be working in this church or he may be working through one of you individuals to do something extraordinary for his honor and glory. Let me give you an easy one. As the church was being established, you would think this would not take any extraordinary power or spirit of the living God. But let me remind you what was happening in Acts chapter 6, verse 1. But as believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. Verse 3. Here's what the apostles said. And so, brothers, 
since this is happening, select seven men who are well-respected and, catch this, and are full of the spirit and wisdom. He will give them this, or we will give them this responsibility. Hmm. Just to serve food, they needed to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. That means, the Bible says, be not drunk with wine, where is in excess, but be filled with the Spirit of God. You have the Spirit of God, but perhaps he may come upon you for a special task that will bring honor and glory to him, not just so you can have an experience and run around and tell everyone, guess what God did at church today? No, unless it leads to bringing God honor and glory and leads to people in most cases where their lives are transformed, then a lot of times it's just for show. God said, I will share my glory with no one. So you see, those who just needed to serve in the church needed to be full of the Holy Spirit and perhaps wisdom would come upon them so they would rightly portion out the food to where he would be glorified. The narrative of miracles begins with asking God. But trust God to give you what he wants to give you. Do you ask him for that? Sometimes I run to God and say, God, here's what I like. Wait, wait, let me stop, God. Would you give me what I need, please? Do you ever ask God that? Give me what I need, God. He knows your needs before you ask. The final one, which isn't necessarily the most exciting note to end on, is anticipate problems. Anticipate problems when a miracle happens or, number two, when you share the gospel. Anticipate problems. Well, in Acts chapter 4, verse 1 through 4, let's look at that. While Peter and John were speaking to the people, they were confronted by religious people, the priests, the captain of the temple guard, and some of the Sadducees. These were leaders were very disturbed. Why? That Peter and John were teaching the people that through what? Yeshua, Jesus, there is a resurrection of the dead. Well, they got arrested for that. And since it was already evening, they put them in jail until the morning. But many of the people who heard the message believed it. So the number of believers now totaled about 5,000 men, not counting men and women and children. Then in verse 19, the story continues, 19 through 22. But Peter and John replied, do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him when they were told don't go speaking in his name anymore? We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. The council then threatened them further, but they finally let them go because they didn't know how to punish them without starting a riot. For everyone was praising God for this miraculous sign, the healing of a man who had been lame for more than 40 years. When you are being used by God, you must, must expect trouble. You are invading the enemy's territory. You need to be prayed up. If you're expecting the glory of God to work through you, expect trouble from the religious leaders. Expect trouble when you're doing good. Yes, when you're doing good. Acts chapter 4 reminds us 
again. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, see, he's speaking, he's doing good. Rulers and elders of the people, are we being questioned today because we did a good deed for a crippled man? We're arrested for that? Oh, my goodness. Well, since we're here, do you want to know how he was healed? Uh-huh, do you really want to know? Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, the man who you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. Do you see how Peter has changed because of the glory of God and the power of God, the forgiveness of God, the love of God that reinstated him, that trusted him, that knew Peter would overcome his weakness of denial, and then he's empowered by the Holy Spirit after, remember, after he spoke to 3,000 people. He was filled again to boldly speak to these religious leaders. The enemy constantly attacks Jesus and his people. He, they constantly attack Jesus for doing good on the Sabbath, going to worship. Expect trouble when you're telling the truth. Acts 4.17 he told them the truth. He said, but to keep them from spreading their propaganda any further, we must warn them not to speak to anyone in Jesus' name again. Aren't we seeing that played out before us in our country right now? The world will know it is the work of God when they see the love of God in you and they see you praying for your enemies and they see the mighty work that he's doing in our midst. Remember, they were threatened in verse 17 again. But he keep them from spreading their propaganda any further. We must warn them not to speak to anyone in Jesus' name. I was telling some of my firemen friends that are here that I was asked to be a chaplain of many, many fire stations. But one of the prerequisites would be that I would be called upon to speak in the open to the, the commissioner or to the councilmen and women, but I would be asked not to speak in the name of Jesus. But the compromise was this, Pastor, just think of all the opportunities you will have to go to the fire stations, and then you can share the gospel of Jesus, and many people will be saved. Hmm. Flip, do I or do I not? If I have to publicly deny the name of Jesus in front of people because they don't want me to speak about him, I can't compromise just to go to now to the fire stations and hopefully win some other people to Christ. And so I turn that job down. More than ever, you and me are going to be asked to compromise our faith. You see, the world demands that we embrace their view of life. But we believe life begins in the womb. Amen. They want us to embrace their view of marriage. But we believe in the biblical view that marriage is between a man and a woman. The world is asking us to accept their view of creation, nature, evolution, created all that we see. And yet God said in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth.
Are you willing to take God's view or their view? The time is here. Are you going to take a stand? Will this church take a stand? That's why up to now I've been leading our church and leading myself to be broken, to make sure that you sweep your house clean of any leaven. That means sin. Get rid of it. As a church, we have prayed for the church. We're taking Mondays and we're trying to fast. Now I'm going to ask you to fast two meals this Monday. Fast two meals and pray and seek God for this church that his glory may rest here at Victory Life Church. That he will stretch forth his hand and do great and mighty things in our midst. That's what we're leading up to. So far, we've been fortunate that no one has walked through those doors where I had to pull out this and say, everyone put on their mask so we don't offend. We don't offend the officer. Because the law is so ambiguous as what we need to do or not do. Trust me, I'm telling you the truth when I say that. But the time is coming that we will desperately need to rely on the power of God, the Holy Spirit, that we will need to be filled so that we can conduct ourselves in a way that we'll be able to communicate the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. One last passage I'll read you in Acts 4. It says, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God after being arrested, after being in jail, after being chastised by the religious people. They prayed to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. I pray that as God works through us and works through a time of persecution in your life or a time of trouble in your life, that you will be able to praise God. And the only way you're going to be able to do that is if you're filled with the Spirit of God and rely on Him to fill you or anoint you for a special task. But don't always look for that special task because He's already given us the task right here in front of us. Do you expect that a miracle can happen? The biggest miracle I'm praying is for brokenness and revival in the church and amongst our leaders in this nation. Do you believe it can still happen? I still believe there are millions and millions of people in this country that call upon Jesus Christ as your Savior. Do you agree with that? And I believe there's still a chance. A miracle. God does miracles to glorify his name so that we can communicate the gospel. He's showing the world, I'm still at work. I'm at work through you, Peter. I'm living in you, and the Holy Spirit's going to remind you of everything I've told you. He's going to give you the words to say before the religious leaders and before the kings and queens and before the people that you and me witness to. He'll give you the words, but you need to know his word. Let us pray. Father, I've asked, do you want to do something special in our midst so that this church can remain strong and that our hope will rest in you? There are people that are sick, and we have asked, would you stretch forth your hand and bring healing? But I know real healing begins with a broken heart. 
And you told us only a wicked generation seeks after signs and wonders. Help us balance that with asking for a miracle. And you say, blessed are those who have not seen but yet believe. Remind us of Hebrews 11, that is by faith that men and women did mighty things in your name. But we are asking, Father. I don't even know what to ask. So I'll do what I just preached. Father, you know what this church needs. Would you please meet those needs through your gifted people, the gifts you have given them. May they surface and be noticed for such a time as this. Have your way. In Jesus' name I pray.